What's up, podcast? Just wanted to say thanks so much for listening to this episode of Open Mic. It's a really great episode. Um, really enjoyed having Kayla Jones on the show, uh, who's a professional golfer. We talked about a whole lot of different things um, and, and really just a, a great one in general. We're getting a little bit better every week. Uh, and as usual, really excited to have you guys along for the journey. So with that, let's get started. This is the Open Mic Podcast with Mike Carlson. Welcome in everyone to another episode of Open Mic. Really excited to have you guys uh, on the. Sh- really excited to have you guys watching this show. Um, we've got a, a great one in store for you. I, I talked to our first professional athlete. That was really fun, Kayla Jones. She's a professional golfer. Um, she's played in Australia. She's played here in the states. So we talked about a whole lot of things. So really excited for you guys to to listen to that. It's it's an absolute ton of fun. Um, the other thing that I wanted to cover in really the, the purpose of this opening segment um, and, and why I do it every week is, is to document and just get down some thoughts of, of what we're learning throughout the process. We're not in the business of, um, you know, advice or, or telling, any, telling anyone how it's supposed to be done. We're in, the, we're in the business of just, you know, saying what we're learning and if you can get something from that, you know, that's wonderful. Um, and the thing I wanted to talk about with this opening segment, whatever you want to call it, is something that's really felt especially, um, you know, prescient, present, whatever, um, this week. And and that's the process of going from being bad at your craft to being good at your craft and what we're learning along the path of getting there. And, you know, maybe even a couple of ideas of how to get there um, and and things that we've learned with that. so yeah, you know, I, I think you know whether it's in a creative role, in a business role, in, in any kind of role. Um, obviously, when you start, you know, the expectations we have for ourselves, um, our taste for what is good work and what looks like good work um, is incredibly high. But you know, the work we're doing, the work you're doing, at least at the start, is you know not in, incredibly well done. It, it's not at the level of your taste and. Getting there is, is a tough process. And, you know, I, I think there's a, a great NPR clip about, you know, taste with Ira Glass and This American Life. And I highly encourage you guys to go look it up because a lot of what is said in that is, is something that I've applied to, to my personal life and into my business life and to any of the work I've done. And really what it boils down to is if you want to get good at anything, you have to be um, profuse with whatever you do. So if you want to get good at writing, back when I was a, a copywriter, we had a professor who, who taught copywriting and it was you know a really fun creative class. But his big thing was if you want to be a good copywriter, you have to write a lot. You have to write 100 headlines, you know, 50 different versions of body text for an ad and just keep writing and writing and writing because it trains your brain at least to get past the censoring of ideas and thinking this is a good idea, this is a bad idea. It allows you just to focus on putting stuff down on the paper and, and, and really go from there. And you know, if you just keep doing that repetitively, after a while you, you become good at, at writing. And, and that really is the case. I think back to um, you know, an internship I had as a copywriter and um, literally took a whole afternoon and, and wrote 100 headlines for a, a little web banner. So something very insignificant um, in the grand scheme of things, but still, you know, important to what we were doing. 
And I ended up, I think, using headline number 30, headline number 50, and headline number 99. Um, so you're looking at, you know, the first 29 of those guys I didn't even touch, which, you know, personally, I, I think I thought were, you know, some of the good ones. But in reality, they really weren't because I was still censoring and, and filtering and getting all that crap out of my head of all the bad ideas. And then once you're able to do that, you then reach the good ideas. And, and I think that's true for, for really anything. If, if you want to get good at, you know, starting a business at entrepreneurship, you don't necessarily need to start a lot of businesses, but you need to start and you need to be profuse in your actions. You need to be doing a lot of things and learning a lot of different things. And, you know, if, if you're someone who's a little more creative, you have to just start putting stuff together, whether it's video or visual or, um, you know, anything of that nature, you have to just start doing it and you have to do a lot of it because it, it really, at the end of the day, it comes down to repetitions and it comes down to putting in a high, high volume of work with the facts, you know, with, with the mind that, you know, a lot of it is going to be, it's not going to be good. It's, it's going to be crap. Um, it's not going to be usable. But by doing that process, you're improving slightly, you're getting better, you are working on your craft in a way that someone who is just, you know, doing, you know, something, you know, for a full week and really making sure it's perfect, just work really, really fast and you're able to to get over that hump a lot quicker, whereas the person who is doing stuff, you know, very meticulously, very, you know, perfection oriented every week, you know, isn't gaining a lot of experience and they're not getting better. You have to be profuse in your work to get better. And that's that's something that this week I feel like I learned a lot because, you know, just started, you know, promoting the podcast on Twitter, on Twitter, TikTok, really any social media platform. And, and I think the one thing I still constantly have to snap myself out of is being very perfectionist, very perfection-oriented with the, the stuff I'm posting and, and really kind of being focused on volume and focused on being um, very profuse with what I'm putting out, whether that's, you know, stuff on Instagram, stuff on TikTok, stuff on Twitter. And that was something that, I mean, this week, you know, just have thought of a ton and really allowed me to look back and think that, you know, the... And at the end of the day, you're not going to remember, you know, the first 50 bad, you know, 50 bad iterations of what you did. And, and you're not playing for that. You're, you're playing for, you know, the next 50. It's, it's the same thing with this podcast. You, with this episode, yes, I want it to be great. Yes, I want it to be awesome. But at the end of the day, it's more reps and it allows you to get better. And that's truly the only way to do it. It's time, it's reps, and it's being profuse with everything that you're doing. And, and like I said, that's something that especially this week, you know, was, was just thinking about. And, and even with top form, I mean, it's, you know, we're not putting out a lot of stuff on social, but we are, you know, putting out devices and we are giving them out to people to beta test and to try. And the only way that we can ever understand if we're going to be useful or not is by putting, you know, a lot of content out. I, I look back, you know, on kind of a different end of it with Anchor. And when I was first running the social media account, you know, I, I look back at those posts and I'm like, you know, they were, they were, you know, they were posts that I, I liked, but they're nowhere near the quality level that um, the stuff we're putting out today is. And, and that's okay. And that's, you know, it's to be expected with anything. The, you know, first 10, first 15, first 20, maybe even the first 50 aren't going to be good. They're going to be maybe marginally better with each one, but they're not going to be anywhere close to how good the next 50 are, or the next 50 after that, or even the next 100. And, and that's why it's important to be profuse with your work and to 
put out a lot of stuff because that really is the only way to get better. The it's it's more reps, it's doing things more, and it's you know I I think you know on the the mental side of things, it's you know orienting your brain to be more um, forgiving, be a little less self censoring, um, and to just allow your mind to work freely um, so that you're just putting out a lot of stuff and, and getting over that. Um, you know, perfectionist quality, very whatever you want to call it, um, because once you you make that mental shift, um, things you know they, they do start to you know move a little bit easier. You start to put out more stuff, and you start to get better. Um, so yeah, it, it, you know that was just something that you know this week especially was thinking about, and you know with homecoming, we're we're really trying to put out stuff every single day um, because even though we have a small following now, the process of us putting stuff out is going to allow us to be set up for when you know we do have a larger following we're going to have gotten better we're going to improve um and those <laughs> first 40 50 posts they're not going to matter um i mean they're just not going to matter because you know you've you've put in the work you've put in the time and and now you have stuff that you know is really well and and that's something that um is, is talked about in that clip with you know with with ira uh, glass and i think it's this american life um is that you have to put out a lot of stuff because our taste is right here. We love, love, you know, we have an idea of what things are like in our head. We want our stuff and we need it to be like that. And we love for it to be like that. Um, but, you know, if our taste is up here, you know, our ability to execute on that is down here. And the only way to move up is to, to put out a lot of stuff and to just be incredibly high volume and a little bit less self-censoring. And um, yeah, so we'll, We'll definitely link that video down in the comments on this uh, on YouTube. So feel free to check it out. It's, you know, if you're anyone in the creative business, the creative industry, or just any industry in general, it's it's an important thing, I think, to keep in mind. Um, and especially, you know, I, I feel like since a, a decent amount of listeners are, they're like me, are just starting out and we want to be really desperately good at something. Um, and we want to be performing at a level of, you know, someone who's been in the industry for a long time. But you know, it, it takes time to get there. It takes reps to get there. And the moment, the minute you can free your mind from some of that and free your mind from, you know, kind of the, you know, trap of, of perfection, really whatever you want to call it, the, you know, self-censoring, uh, the sooner you are going to be at getting better. And it, it's no different in sports. It's no different um, in, in any aspect, you know, on the driving range. Um, I'm getting better every hundred balls and that the, you know, the first, you know, hundred that I hit were not great and the next hundred are a little bit better and, and so on and so forth. So um, it's, you know, at the end of the day, if you can have a big takeaway out of all of this, it's it's be profuse in your work. Do a lot of it, post a lot, um, you know, take a lot of, you know, if you're a golfer, shoot a lot of shots or hit a lot of shots. If you're a basketball player, shoot a lot of shots. Um, if you're someone who's creative, write and do stuff every single day. Um, and if you're, you know, in any other industry, just keep practicing your craft. Be profuse with the amount of practice you do. Uh, and one day you'll, you'll look back and you'll find yourself uh, pretty, pretty damn good at what you're doing. So um, with that, I'll, I'll end that part. We'll get to our interview with Kayla. Really excited, like I said, to have you guys listen to that. Going to be a ton of fun. And uh, yeah, let's go to the interview. Well, here we go. Let's get started. So now I want to welcome in. Um, she's a professional golfer. Um, she is a low-key Ben and Jerry's fan. Shout out high to Ben key, and Jerry's. High-key Ben and Jerry's fan. And a Florida State Seminole. Kayla Jones, thank you for coming on Open Mic. Hey, what's up? I'm happy to be here. 
Well, we're glad to have you here. And I got to say, you're the first professional athlete to be on the show. So how does that feel? Uh, super exciting. I'm not super experienced in the podcast world yet. So uh, I'm still learning the ropes, but I'm that's okay. But you did a you did a podcast this week, though, right? Yes, I did. That was my first one, really. I think. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, got the rust is the rust is off. You're feeling good. I mean, right? That's that's how it is. Right. I tested it out. Okay. Now I'm ready to go. Awesome. <laughs> well, we're excited to have you here. Um, and and I want to just start at the beginning. So, why golf? I mean, you know, I'm fascinated. You know, you're a kid. You could play any sport on the planet. What what led you to golf? Oh, yeah. See, that's so random. Like, why would I pick golf, honestly? Um, my dad, when I was born, I guess he got the golf itch. Um, gotcha. Right around the same time as happens mm -hmm. to a lot of <laughs> a lot of guys, a lot of dads out there. Um, so I guess his version of babysitting was putting me in the stroller and having me sit on the driving range. And uh, okay. I did that for a while. And when I was four, I believe, I yeah. guess I just wanted to try it. And he would give me his club and I would just kind of like whack balls on the driving range but it didn't take very long for me to get into it i was probably like fully into golf by the time i was seven um and then i started playing tournaments when i was 11 years old i believe was my first gotcha. one um yeah and then just went from there <laughs> just went from there and mm -hmm. then what you know at what point were you i mean so set in stone you're like this is going to be the sport is there a moment where you said to yourself like this is like this is the one i'm going for this is we're all in on this sport w was there any moment like that for you it was probably pretty young um i remember my dad w always would tell my mom that uh i needed to get a golf scholarship because there aren't enough girls playing golf and that that would be gotcha. the best bet for me <laughs> so uh yeah i i heard that a lot growing up and i think pretty early on i decided um it was before high school obviously because i i got really serious in high school about it um mm -hmm. so yeah i must have been somewhere in middle school where i was like i, kn I know that i'll be playing college golf and who knows what after that <laughs> who knows okay so we're, we're moving a little quick through this because there's a whole lot of other a lot of other stuff we have to cover but um with you you started playing in new york right i mean new yeah. york city mm -hmm. i mean now i you know i'm not an urban planner myself but i don't <laughs> think there's a ton of golf courses in new york city so i mean what's that like i mean you're playing in new york city you know what does the golf scene look like how are you practicing how does that all work right so the golf scene honestly i think it's something that i've carried with me throughout my life i live in georgia now so it's completely different i mean there's yeah. country clubs and all that all over the place but um yeah in new york growing up i learned to play golf on a little nine hole track i think it was like a par 32 and okay. I mean, they were like, the tee boxes were like mats. It was not <laughs> your premier golf course at all. But um, yeah, I was right smack in the middle of the Bronx. Sometimes we would take the train there. Like we would get on the train with our golf clubs. Um, cool. So I did that. And then the, obviously the weather wasn't great for golf in New York either. So whenever it was snowing, we would go over to Chelsea Piers, if you've seen mm -hmm. it like in movies yeah. and stuff. Yeah. yeah, we'd hit on that driving range all the time. So that's kind of where I got into it. And then. Um, as I grew up and my dad realized that I was getting more serious about it, he ended up taking a caddying job at, um, a really nice country club up in Westchester. Um, gotcha. and he would caddy there during the week and then I would get to go play sometimes. And that was pretty cool. And I'm thankful yeah. that he sacrificed that and did that little extra job for me. 
Nice. Do you feel like kind of like you said, hitting on mats for tee boxes um, and, you know, playing in, in not ideal weather conditions, do you feel like that, you know, looking back helped your game at all? Or, do, I mean, is there any part of that where you're like, you know, I think I'm a little bit better at this because of that? <laughs> I think it definitely made me a lot better able to adapt. Um, mm-hmm. At the same time, I probably would say I could have used a really good practice facility or something <laughs> to kind of grind and get my train on. But um, I made do with what I had. And I mean, I think it served me well as a person just in general. Yeah, that's so cool. So you're you're growing up in the Bronx. You're playing a lot of golf. And then you're you're now you decide to play at an incredibly high level. Division one, ACC, Florida State. Take me through that. What's that recruiting oh, process no, like? baby. <laughs> because I, I, you know, we've, you're the, the first professional athlete on the show, the first division one athlete really on the show, the first high level. I had my dad on as the first guest. So I don't know if you count that, <laughs> um, but I mean, what's that like? I mean, that's cause I mean, you're not messing around there when you're, you know, going to play golf at, at schools like that. Yeah. Um, man, I don't even know where I started. I was a really shy kid. And uh, it kind of started out with cold calling a lot of coaches. And I would just call coaches and pray for their voicemail so I didn't have to talk to them. And I would send emails and whatever, swing videos, like my tournaments for the summer, how I did, um, and then just kind of roll with who responded to me. Um, So that was interesting because I kind of started reaching out pretty young, I think maybe my freshman year of high school. Um, Wow. Yeah. um, And then – uh, by the time it got more serious, my I guess my junior year, I started going on visits, and my first visit ever was Florida State, and I knew immediately that that's where I wanted to be. Um, okay. I really had no idea why. I just walked off on campus, and I was like, this is it, and then I told the coach that probably like 20 minutes into my visit. I bet she thought I was crazy, but um, <laughs> yeah, she was like, I think you need to look around and make sure that you're sure, but we would love to have you, and I was like, okay, so I went on five or six other visits and I came back to Florida State for a basketball game I think it was Mm -hmm. yeah FSU UNC one year and uh, I told her again I was like no I promise this is it (laughs) so uh yeah I committed shortly after that um yeah very cool the rest is history and the rest is history so I mean you get on campus as a freshman how did how did you see your game evolve from your, I mean, your freshman year all the way to your senior year. I mean, when you had, when you stayed with us, we kind of got, we talked about that a little, how, I mean, you improved your game, you know, just a ton from that first year on, but I mean, take us into that. I mean, how, what was that like? What was, you know, the practice, like what parts of your game did you improve? I mean, walk us through that evolution. Yeah, that was super interesting. Um, It was the first time in my life I really had like a routine. I'm not very much a planning type of person. Um, I kind of just rolled with it my whole life. Um, So getting onto campus, it was a huge adjustment, just having to be somewhere every single day at a certain time, 15 minutes before, because if you're there on time, you're late. Um, (laughs) But yeah, we had um, practice every single day. We had workouts every single morning. I think they were at 5.30 a.m if I'm remembering correctly. So that was crazy. Um, Parts of my game that evolved. So I, I didn't know how to chip and I didn't know that I didn't know how to chip until college. (laughs) Um, So my wedges were just absolutely horrible. I think I, I came in on the team and we would do 
a lot of work on TrackMan. Gotcha. You know, all, all about the TrackMan best oh, yeah. advice. <laughs> um, and we would play these games and do combines, and my scores were just the absolute worst on the team out of everybody on the men's mm-hmm. and women's side. Um, so that was a surprise to me because I didn't know I was that bad at wedges. But anyways, um, I started doing extra practices and kind of working with one of our assistant coaches. And I would go um, pretty early in the morning and we do like a two and a half hour practice. We had like our set routine. It was just one-on-one me and him. And by the end of my college career, I believe I set the record on that track man game. So that was a huge improvement. (laughs) It did wonders for my golf game. Wow. Okay. That's, yeah, you, that's a, a, a massive leap because I mean, you're, I mean, you're setting a record on the game. Like that is, are you, are you still the record holder? I think so. Um, I, okay, might be, I so, don't know. It was posted on the locker room door for a while. I would yeah. have to go back and see if it's there. <laughs> but yeah, it's funny. Cause like at first, when I first got there, they would post everybody's scores. And I remember mm-hmm. mine not even being up there. They were so bad. Oh no! But now, now you're at the top. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Big fan of TrackMan. Big fan of wedge practices. Now it's like my favorite thing to do. Um, mm-hmm. I did a lot of over the winter um, practicing on the football field. So I would just yeah. kind of get like alignment sticks or towels or something and lay them out all down the football field and hit hit my wedges to get more spot on with my distances. Would any like? I mean, are you talking like the football field is in like the one you see on like? game day like that football field oh i didn't i didn't dare go on there i would just find okay, a I, I, was, park. <laughs> I probably I didn't know if you were hitting wedges somewhere <laughs> and i was like i don't know if you're hitting wedges and then all of a sudden you got you know quarterbacks and, and football players coming out like i don't know about that but that's hey still cool still <laughs> yeah. cool yeah it was fun nice so i mean you're playing in college is there any moment you look back on where you're like that was you know one of my my best events in college or that what what moment you know playing over those four years matters the most to you <laughs> you know i shouldn't even say you know it you know just just matters the most and is the one you look back on you know fondly so the one i the one i guess that was the biggest moment for me was my first event actually um okay i qualified for the first event it was my first week as a freshman and i don't even think i stopped crying from missing my parents yet like i was such a baby oh no and um had to get on a plane and go out to Texas the first week of school. Didn't know what was going on in my classes. I was just an absolute mess. And I was so nervous to play my first college tournament. And I just remember just praying that I made contact with the ball on the first tee. Mm-hmm. Um, but I ended up birdieing the first three holes of that event. And wow. I was leading it. <laughs> so um, oh. three holes in, I'm more nervous than ever because I was already nervous just to be playing in my first college event to begin with. Next thing I know, I'm playing like the best golf that I ever have. And uh, yeah. I called one of our assistant coaches over and I was like, hey, I, I'm just playing really good. And he was like, okay, so what's the problem? <laughs> I was like, I, <laughs> I need somebody to calm me down. I'm so scared. And so the next hole, he walks with me. I make a bogey. He's like, okay, you feel better now? And I'm like, yeah, I think I do feel a little bit better. And he walked yeah. off. I don't even think I saw him for the rest <laughs> of the tournament. But I ended up winning that golf tournament, my first uh, college event ever. Wow. Yeah, it was crazy. So so what's that like? I mean, like you said, you're week one on campus. You're now one for one in a tournament. <laughs> what <laughs> Are you just like gliding across campus? Like until the next <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a heck of a way to get started. I mean, it really I mean, is. 
you would think that I'd just be on top of the world, but not at all. I think it, I, for, well, it was a good thing because I, I saw what my ability was. Um, so I could kind of see the potential was there and that I could have a really good college career, but that also scared the crap out of me. So yeah. I'm not sure <laughs> I was ready to deal with all that as a college freshman, yeah. but I mean, I did and I had a decent season otherwise. So. I mean, I didn't win any other events, but. <laughs> but hey, you won the, I, I gotta say, I think there's a lot of college freshmen who you get on campus and it's like, I'm just trying to figure out where the, the class, where I'm, where biology 101 is, let alone, I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna go win a big time tournament. Like that, exactly. I mean, it's, it's no small task. I really did have um, biology in my first oh, class ever, my freshman year. And I was about 50 minutes late to this hour and a half class. Wow. And I couldn't was find it because a of golf? Spot. I didn't know where it um, was. I was just a mess. That's, I think we've all had that. I definitely <laughs> had that a couple of times at like Mizzou. I remember there was one, I'm sitting in the student center and I like had written down the wrong time for the final. So like I oh, look no. up at my watch and it's like, I'm like, oh, it's at, you know, 345. And then I like check and it's like, oh no, it's at like 250. So, and it's like 245 at this point. So I like take my bag. I'm bolting down the like out of the student center as like a freshman backpack, like full of textbooks. And I am like screaming across campus. And everybody just knows what's going on. And everyone knows what's going on. And I'm like, I did not want to have this moment my freshman year, but <laughs> here we are. And then I like walk in, like, as he's passing out scantrons in this big lecture hall. Well, and then like, I, just, like I, I mean, I made it, but it was one of those things where I just was like, that was incredibly stupid, but I, it's, yeah. Hey, it's, you know, it, yeah, I had a lot fun. of tears the freshman year, but. But hey, I mean, you, one for one in an event. I mean, that's uh, that's incredible on its own. So Thanks. <laughs> you, so you keep playing and then take us inside the moment when you decide to go pro. I mean, what what's that like? Because it's it's not a definitely not a small decision. So was it something <laughs> where you like were thinking about it, you know, from the beginning, like from the moment you stepped on campus or even before that or was it like kind of an evolving thing where you got to a certain point and you're like, okay, now I feel ready. Mm -hmm. um, it was always in the back of my mind, but I really never thought I would do it. I, if I'm being completely honest. Um, I mean, it was there. I knew that I was capable of it since I was little. It sounded like a cool idea. I think um, there was one talk I had with our men's coach at FSU and he kind of, mm -hmm tried to talk me into it and I was like yeah 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 whatever coach um <laughs> and so I ended up finishing my college career completely I had taken the GMAT I applied to grad school and I was going to stay at Florida State for another year and a half um nice I literally had my schedule ready and everything and I just didn't show up for orientation that, that cool. summer I was like uh I don't think I'm ready for this I I didn't feel right about quitting golf um mm -hmm. Not that I necessarily had to quit, but it was going to take a lot for me to be in school another year. So, um, yeah, yeah, I just I just didn't show up to school and I went out to Q school in California instead and I turned pro. <laughs> it was that. Wow. Cool. That, yeah. Just like that. Yeah, That's I think incredible. I didn't realize how badly I wanted to do it until I was so close to not doing it. Um, yeah. Like once I had stopped practicing like I was a golfer and kind of just focusing on my future. I was like, this isn't my future. I don't think. Mm -hmm. That's really mm -hmm. cool. So now you're, you're out at Q school. I mean, you, 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 you haven't shown up to orientation. Now you're out at Q school. <laughs> I mean, 
I mean, is was there a moment where you were kind of like, you know, oh shit, like you're like kind of your oh shit, like we're in the big leagues moment, or oh yeah, it, it was a, an immediate oh shit reaction. Um, <laughs> I that's something that people know that they're doing for a long time, and they train for it, and they get ready for yeah. it, and I did not do that. Um, I think my biggest downfall was not that I wasn't prepared for it; it's just that I thought I wasn't prepared for it. Um, which I, I probably wasn't prepared for it anyway because I wasn't practicing like I needed to. But um, yeah, that was that was a scary one, I will have to say. Uh, I learned a lot from it. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know, like going back, would I do it the same way again? Maybe not because it yeah. was a $5,000 mistake. But, um, you know, it got my foot in the door in the golf world. So, I mean, I can... I can play. That's that's what I got out of that. You can play. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm I'm you know, I as you know from you know staying at our house when you played, we're a big golf family. So I mean, you get out of Q school, what I mean, what's that like? I know you played in Australia a little bit. When when does that happen? What happens kind of the you know, the after the Q school stuff or do you just hit the road and do you start playing and, and training full time? Um yeah, so Q school it's pretty much takes your entire fall. Um, and then, and I was playing a couple of other events here and there, but uh, by the win by the time the winter came around, I knew that I wanted to start getting competitive to play the spring season, which is what I went to Q school for. So um, that was another just like spur of the moment decision. I just called up my parents. I literally woke up one morning and I was like, I think I'm gonna go to Australia. And I did it. I had my flight booked <laughs> the next day. Wow. And uh, I went out to Australian Q School, which is a completely different um, situation. But yeah, I, I played out there. I think I was there for nine weeks. I was nine weeks on the road um, wow. playing events out there. Yeah, it was so much fun. I loved every nine, second. So I mean, nine so nine weeks on the road in Australia. You, I got it. Are there any stories? I mean, what's that like? I mean, just traveling Australia <laughs> and, and and playing pro golf. I mean, that that sounds like. I mean, I feel like I could, you could do a whole, you know, series of podcasts about that kind of stuff. That's really, that's awesome. Right. It was super cool. Um, man, I don't even know where to start. I, just getting to Australia is surreal because you, you take off on like a Tuesday and then you yeah. land on Thursday and there's the Wednesday never happens. So that's really interesting. <laughs> so I, that was just like to put it in perspective, how far from home I was. I think the first night I got there, I cried. I was just like, what am I doing here? Um, mm -hmm. And then kind of settled in and had the best time of my life. Uh, we did a lot of traveling. So the beginning of that season in Australia, I wasn't playing very good golf. So there were a lot of missed cuts and a lot of days off. Um, yeah which I can't say that I regret all that much because yeah. <laughs> I got to see a lot of Australia. We would take um, weekend trips and stuff. And uh, we took a trip to Sydney, um, Byron Bay. We didn't even have events in any of those places, but we kind of just messed around mm -hmm. and got to go see the world. Um, I've ended up playing good golf by the end of it. So that, good, good. that was good. Uh, made a couple cuts, made a couple dollars. That was nice. But nice. yeah, the, the whole thing was just awesome. I think there was one event that actually we had to qualify for um, out mm -hmm. there and I ended up not making the qualifier and there was like a month long music festival in Adelaide, Australia. So we okay. were just there every night. I mean, <laughs> I didn't miss the tournament a whole lot. That's incredible. I mean, that mm -hmm. is, that is just 
absolutely unreal. Like to, uh, that, uh, yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> I have no words for it. Clearly you've, you've shocked me on, on my own podcast with that. I can't even wrap my head around touring Australia for a month. Is was there any spot that was your absolute favorite? Um, yeah, I loved Byron Bay. Um, okay. Little surf town in Gold Coast. That was an awesome place. Um, I don't know. Sydney really took my heart, though. Yeah. I loved Sydney. I mean, it was exactly like I had pictured it in Finding Nemo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was perfect. And I had so much fun out there. That's awesome. That is so cool. So then you come back. Do you, once, you're, once you're wrapped up there, do you come back to you come back to the US, right? Yeah, I came back to the US. I actually didn't come home for a while. I think I was gone okay. for like three more weeks. I flew back to California and I played a couple things there and then I went to mm -hmm. Phoenix. Um, finally came home and had to deal with the fact that I was no longer in Australia. So that was kind of sad. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think I jumped right into playing again. Um, mm -hmm. But I was dealing with an injury for most of that time. So that was a, a struggle of the season i mean it's kind of funny because yeah. i went out to australia to try to prepare for the season and then i came home and i could hardly play so mm -hmm. that was tough but yeah but, so i mean take us into that how do you i mean you've come back from australia how do you train with even kind of a lingering injury i mean it, what's what's i mean i i feel like at, at a certain point it's just a mental mental game too i mean right because you're just yeah trying to take a lot of mental reps absolutely um that was that might have been the biggest thing that I've gone through in my life mentally. The initial shock of it, there was a, a point where I just, I mean, I tried to play through it for so long and it was just getting worse and worse. And there was a point where I just really had to stop. Um, mm -hmm. And that initial feeling was just like, oh my gosh, who am I? <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know how to exist without golf. I mean, I'm obsessed with it. <laughs> so um, that was kind of crazy trying to, find other things to like almost rebuild my identity in a way. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I was doing like random stuff. I started taking like dance classes and whatnot, but um, yeah, then getting back into like the rehab and the training thing eventually was really hard. I feel like I would kind of take a step and mm -hmm. feel like I was getting stronger. And then the next day I'd just be in so much pain and kind of have to take another step back. And that went on for a while, maybe like six months. Um, wow. to the point where I, I mean, I slowly built everything up. I started with putting and then I would kind of do some physical therapy things. And then I would get more aggressive in the gym, do some chipping, finally hitting balls, um, and playing again. And by then I felt pretty confident. Um, yeah. I just had to trust that it wasn't going to hurt anymore, which was mm -hmm. crazy because you can almost make it hurt with your mind. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. So what is it like then? You mean? That first swing, you're feeling great. I mean, it, it's got to feel awesome, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was yeah. the best feeling ever. It, it kind of came slowly. Um, I was pretty timid with it at first and then mm -hmm. um, built it up. But, I mean, now I feel 100%. I'll, I'll hit balls all day. <laughs> I shouldn't, <laughs> but <laughs> I try not to. But, I mean, I feel good enough to. Nice. So you're now you're kind of touring around the U.S. as, as much as one can in a pandemic. Mm -hmm. uh, any any favorite spots 
while you've kind of been been going across <laughs> you've been going across you, and hey you don't have to say colorado that isn't like a leading question to tee you up to say that that's um, really but, funny because i was gonna say colorado and i mean it. oh my god that was my favorite spot before i met you guys actually believe okay. it or not um yeah i love that event the colorado open fantastic it's very well run it was very weird playing it in a pandemic this year um yeah but yeah love that golf course green valley ranch love denver I have no complaints about it. Weather was awesome. Yeah, we appreciate it. We appreciate that. Is there any spot where you see it on the calendar and you're like, I have to go there? Like, is there any, is there a least favorite spot? Um, believe it or not, I don't like playing in Florida very much, which okay. is funny because I went to school in Florida, but it's humid and sticky and mm. my hands sweat a lot. And I don't think yep. the golf course is set up that great for me. So, <laughs> Florida is a, eh, I don't love it, but I'll do it anyway. I mean, I get a beach trip hey, out of it, so. That, that's why you're a pro and that's why other people are not pros. Cause you'll, you'll go tough it out in Florida. Whereas I, you know, if it was me, I'd be like, you know what? Not packing the clubs this round. We're gonna, we're, we're good. We don't need the clubs today. Um, okay, so that's, so take us inside a little bit of kind of your routine, you know, whether it's on the driving range before a tournament, is there anything that, you have to be doing uh, or you have to do in order to like feel like you're ready. It can be, it can be superstitions. It, it can be really anything. Is, is there one thing you're one or two things that you have to do before you start playing or before you start practicing? Man, I don't, I don't know if I have any superstitions. I'm not a really superstitious person person. So I guess that's a good thing. Um, yeah. I do this. Uh, this might get like pretty technical, I guess, but I, That's okay. I do what I call calibrating before I play and before I practice really. Um, yeah. Where I kind of go through like a series of warm up things to like make sure I'm set up correctly, make sure mm -hmm. I'm aimed correctly, make sure like I'm just feeling good. Um, for me, it's like using a putting mirror to start or like trying to put the ball between like a gate between two tees. Um, just kind of like something to, to feel like I can repeat it over and over again. And that way I feel like when I get out on the golf course, I can hit any shot because I have a good yeah. base, if that makes any sense. So no, that that's, totally that's my sense. thing. I do it every time, every day. So, yeah, that's cool. We we've had, you're like, I think in four guests, we've had three golfers. So I, I just, I don't know if this is going to become a golf podcast eventually. <laughs> it may just end up being that. So it's, it's, it's stuff like that. It's, it'll just kind of morph because it's, you know, we've had, you know, three of our four. I had a swimmer as, you know, guest number three. And now we've had three out of four golfers. So this could just be a golf podcast or so something like that. Super useful to everyone. Well, I, hope um, you can use it. I definitely would recommend it to everybody. It's huge for my confidence. Um, yeah. Yeah. I just, I just feel like I'm ready. It's like a trigger thing. I'm like, okay, did that. That's out of the way. Now let's go play. Nice. So. We're, we're, we'll wrap up here in a bit, but I have a, a few more questions. We're going to wrap up with, we're still kind of trying to name the segment. It's like I ask five kind of random questions. So <laughs> we'll, we'll wrap up with that. We got a, a few more. Um, you know, what's your, what's your favorite memory of being a pro so far? Do you have one in particular, like whether it's a round or a shot? What's, what's your, your favorite memory? <laughs> Probably getting my first check. Is that... <laughs> Is that bad that to counts. say? No, I, that counts. Yeah, I I earned my first check at the Florida Open, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I get to get paid to do this. That was yeah. my favorite memory. I guess that, that has kind of worn off a little bit. 
um, mm-hmm. I've gotten a little bit more grouchy about what my paycheck is, but <laughs> I, that moment was pretty cool because I was just happy to make money. Did it feel pretty cool going to the bank too with that that check just ready to cash it? <laughs> I think I just scanned it off my phone, which was I probably should have gone to the bank, make it a little more meaningful. But I know I was gonna say I'm like <laughs> I don't know if you can mobile scan that. You have to. I'd be taking that, slap it right down to the time. Oh yeah, like, I'm mobile scan everything. <laughs> And tell them how I earned it too. Tell them, hey, that's good. It's good. That's. <laughs> I, I would say getting my first check would 100% be my favorite memory as a pro golfer because, like you said, now you're getting paid to do what you love, and yeah, you're you're getting like it's it's not like in in toke range tokens or pro shop credit. Like it is, it's cold hard cash. I know. I bought so many Footjoy socks with uh, pro shop money. It was this was real. I could spend it on whatever I wanted. I'm sure it went straight to Amazon Prime. <laughs> so I, I i never got a chance to ask this actually while you're here but are you sponsored i am somewhat yeah so um i have equipment sponsored my equipment sponsor cool. is paying um cool uh, yeah i guess it depends how you look at the word sponsor which is why i didn't really know how to answer that um and then i have a corporate sponsor southern heights and heights investments they help me with a bunch nice. of my travel they're fantastic um and I'm not really signed with anybody else, actually. Uh, it's kind of just whatever people can do for me. That's been re- pretty yeah. cool. I've had um, companies give me stuff or just like the n- random nice person write me a check. So that's been really awesome. Uh, but yeah, hey, if there's anybody out there who's looking to sponsor a professional golfer, <laughs> <laughs> hit me up. We'll we'll make sure for sure to post that clip on Instagram, and we'll just we'll get it out for everyone to see. Exactly. Um, if you ever need a podcast sponsor, you know where to find us. Well, I don't really have anything to offer other than airtime. Um, but if you ever need a podcast sponsor, um, we can get we can get the like the little microphone that we have on the on the side of your visor. Perfect. Um, and it, it'll be the most confusing thing to everyone out on the course, but it'll it'll be good. It'll be good. Um, I'm excited. So I'm trying to. Th- I, I mean, we've, we've covered a lot of ground. I mean, is there, I mean, what else do you do outside of golf when you're not, you know, training, you're not golfing? Yeah. You mentioned dance as something that you do (laughs) here as what, what are you, what are you doing outside of golf when you're not on the course? So I, um, well, I'm pretty into fitness, but I absolutely hate cardio with everything in me. So that's where the dance classes came in. I started taking hip hop classes because I thought it would be a good workout. And then I realized that I really want to be a good dancer. So that's my thing. I was taking like three hip hop classes a week and it was awesome. Um, Yeah. Great workout. And I mean, I don't really know if I got better at dancing. I hope I did, but maybe someday if I keep up with it. Um, Yeah. That's what I do for sure. Um, I don't know what else. I always try to find the the craft brewery in any city that I'm nice. in for a golf tournament. That's that's, that's a that, thing. We'll, we can for sure count that as a hobby. That is without a doubt. <laughs> yeah, an, craft an outside beer of golf is hobby. my hobby. I don't actually know anything about craft beer, but I mean, it's fun and it tastes good. So <laughs> fun places to hang out. Normally, there's like some kind of a food spread there. Yeah, shoot, that's live music. I, I would consider live music. I'd consider that a hobby of mine. I guess yeah. now, if that was the case. <laughs> <laughs> so with with the hip hop, did you actually find that that helped your golf at all, or was it just did it like help with any kind of footwork or stuff, or was it I mean just totally not helping at all? Period. End of story. I don't know that it helped a lot um, physically. 
I I will say I got in a lot better shape because um, mm-hmm. I mean those classes can be pretty long and you're just dancing for the whole, whole entire time and it's a lot harder than you think it is. But um, if anything, just trying something new, I th- I would recommend it to anybody. Just like putting yourself out of your yeah. comfort zone because that was big for me. I mean, I feel like if I can get up, uh, my teacher does this thing at the end of class where we have to go in groups of three and then everybody watches. And I'm by far the worst dancer in the whole class, but I still had to do it. And I felt like, you know what, if I could do this, I can make a three footer to win the U S open. I know I can. So yeah. Hey, hey very, they're that's very similar situation. With it. <laughs> no, that's good though. Cause I, I feel like if you can get out in front of people and like actually dance, I mean, I don't think there's a lot of like pressure pack situations that you couldn't handle. Right. Now you're, yeah. Do you have a go, <laughs> do you have a go-to hip hop song? Like if, if you're going to go out and hip hop dance, like tomorrow, like, is there one song that you're building the whole dance around? Oh my gosh. Um, for a while it was money in the grave by Drake. That's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> that was my jam. And I would dance to that any second of the day. Uh, lately I just downloaded TikTok, So I've been kind of obsessed with the savage remix with yep. Beyonce. Yep. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm too old for that, but I think it's really no. cool. I'm going to learn all the TikTok dances by no, some, I'm, some point. I'm on TikTok too. I don't do the dances <laughs> though. So <laughs> I like stay away deliberately from the dances, but it's, Hey, they got some good tunes it's on there. It's going to be really funny when the bars open up again and see if people bring all their TikTok dances out with them. Um, I'm going to be, we're going to know exactly who was spending quarantine, who was spending all their quarantine on TikTok. When you see someone break something out and you're like, Oh boy, like we, we're going to get out of here. We're, we're no longer, we're leaving this place. Yeah. Um, that's, uh, yeah, I've, I'll, I'll freely, I've spent way too much time on TikTok in quarantine and it's, it's hard not to, it's hard not to, I'll just do it. Like you flip up and down, but I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting way off topic, even for, even for a podcast called open mic, doing a whole (laughs) weird rant on TikTok. Um, so we're going to go into kind of this, these last five questions. Um, we're going to cover just a lot of like random different things whether it's in okay. golf or or not um so you can go out and play with three professional celebrities basically any other three people of your choosing who's going to be in that group with you when you go play and then where are you going to go play huh i love that question um i would pick steph curry okay tiger woods yep and justin timberlake Every wow, time. that's an amazing, that is an amazing group. <laughs> yeah, big fan. I mean, we've got good golfers in the group. I definitely want to be playing with people that are, are going to play pretty good. But yeah, yeah cool celebrities. Um, and then I would probably go play Pebble Beach. It's on my bucket list and I've never played it. I've walked it. Um, okay. And it's absolutely beautiful. And I love that part of California. So that would be it. That's, I think that's easily the best answer I've gotten when I've asked that question. So I think, I think when I had my daddy chose Tom Hanks as one of his people. And I'm like, really? I'm like, I'm like, you, does there he play least, golf? He, well, I don't even know if he does. I'm like, you're <laughs> just going to have him out there to drive the cart, I guess. Um, so that was, that was by far the best answer. Um, the next one is what's the best shot you've ever hit in your life? It can be as a kid, as a college player, as a pro. Is there one shot where you're like, you're like that. That was like golf nirvana in that shot. Oh my gosh. I had this shot. Um, I was extremely nervous. It must have been the end of a tournament. And I was, 
I don't remember the exact situation, but I remember being really nervous and I put myself in just the worst situation. I was on like a downslope right next to a cart path and I had maybe four feet of green to work with and the pin was right yeah. there. And I, I don't really know what came over me, but I just took a swing at it and flopped it up on the green and I hit it to like six inches and I got so excited. I screamed and my coach oh my was like, gosh. what is going on? That, that's a hell of a shot. Holy crap. That's incredible. You're back. <laughs> You're back. I've lost you. No, no worries. That's why, hey, it's, it's all live. It's part of the live TV fun. I was like, uh, how much of that story you got? Now I'm sad. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, so you, you flopped it onto the green and you said within like six inches, you stuck it within six inches, screamed as right. loud as you can because it was such an incredible shot. And yeah, I was just shocked that I've actually pulled it off. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. So, yeah. so far, two spectacular answers. Um, so this next one, you're on the range. Um, what are your top three, like, go-to songs on the range? Like, if, if you're hitting, what's what are your top three songs on your playlist? Oh, man. I have a playlist called Range Sesh, so I'll pull it up Okay. Right now. <laughs> pull it up. This is good. This is live. I love it. <laughs> Um, what do we got on here? Obviously, there's more than three songs. Let's see. Um, we got we've got Magic in the Hamptons by Social House is on there. Great one. Um, Come Down by Anderson Pack. That's a good one. Okay. I'll jam to that. Uh, what else do we have? Summer Friends by Chance the Rapper. Great one. Are these wow. weird? I don't know if this is no, a those weird are good. playlist. <laughs> those are good. Magic in the Hamptons is on my range playlist. So Oh, perfect. <laughs> obviously, I'm, I'm yeah, shaking it, though, when I'm listening to that song. I'm not hitting it like really pure like a professional. It's like in between <laughs> slamming my club down. Um, there is I'm, something I'm to be said about playing to music, though. There, It definitely gets you in a rhythm. Oh, it's the best, too. Mm -hmm. I, I would, I'm doing that any day. Um, yeah. Okay, so, the, so if you don't have a driving range playlist make one. <laughs> oh, easily that's that's a recommendation to everyone who's listening obviously finish the <laughs> podcast first and then go make a driving range playlist right work but, on your putting while you listen to the podcast and then go to the range and you can listen to your playlist that's exactly the type of publicity we need i appreciate that so <laughs> you heard it here first from kg everyone you need to put to the podcast and then make that range playlist and then go hit some balls on the range so um, I appreciate that little ad in there for this. This is great. Um, so, okay. So next question, we're, we're out and playing, uh, not a professional event. Like let's say you're playing 4th of July weekend. What's like, what is the snack and, and drink lineup look like? Are you someone who's like, I like the little frozen Reese's peanut butter cups. Are you a peanut butter and jelly person? What's the snack drink combo looking like? I always have those Smucker's Uncrustables. Sandwiches Great choice. in my bag every time. Yep. I get the honey flavor because I don't like jelly all that much. Um, gotcha. Yeah, I'll eat like three of those around, honestly. That's all I need. Um, the drink combination, I don't know. I drink a lot of water if I'm trying to focus, and then I drink a lot of White Claws if I'm having a good time. <laughs> <laughs> it just depends on the day. Hey, White Claw, that's got it. That's like... <laughs> I, I respect that choice. That's a great one. You know, if you're just out playing. It's birdie juice. They should sponsor me for that. <laughs> okay. So if anyone from White Claw is listening, go sponsor Kayla right now. Um, and we'll do a whole line and we'll just call it birdie juice. Exactly. Birdie juice by, by Kayla. So now you have, you have two sponsorships now out of this. You have 
the podcast sponsor, and then we're, we're working on that White Claw one for you. It's so. been a productive day. Wow. It's been <laughs> a really awesome. productive day. Um, okay. So last question, if you were going to do any other profession that's not golf related, what would you be doing? Wow. That's a tough one. Because I, right now I can't see myself doing anything but golf. Um, I think I would stay in the sports industry for sure. Um, yeah. I had an internship in college where I did sports marketing. So I worked for like basketball and baseball and football and I worked all the games and stuff. And that was fun. I don't know. I want to be around sports all the time. So something like that would be pretty cool. Um, hey, that's a great have choice. No job. That that sounds like a pretty good job. <laughs> just to or, be able to do whatever I want. You can do the loophole, be like, have no job, but play a lot of golf still. Then, exactly. then you don't technically have a job, but you're playing a right. lot of golf still. Okay. That's good. Okay. <laughs> I want to go one more bonus one. Um, as a New Yorker, is that what's what's a good under the radar spot? And because I feel like we've all seen that clip of the office where Michael Scott goes in to grab a New York slice and it's the Sabaro in Times Square. Um, so is, is there, is there a <laughs> favorite spot in New York that you, it can be anything, food, dining, whatever. Um, is there a favorite wow. spot that is a little under the radar? Maybe. That's a good question. My, so obviously I'm a big pizza fan. My favorite pizza spot is not in the city. It's in, um, Fleetwood, which is in Mount Vernon. So you have to take the train out of the city, but gotcha. I promise it's worth it. It's called Joe's Fleetwood pizza. Oh mm -hmm. my gosh. It's the best um other spots i don't know i never did any of like the big new york touristy stuff really yeah. i never had been to like the empire state <laughs> building or the statue of liberty or anything so i guess everything i did was kind of under the radar but i would have to think on that because i don't even know <laughs> that's what a kind cool of gems there are out there We'll have to have you on as a guest at a later one, and we'll just like do a full like New York tourism one. It'll be right. It'll be really random, but it'll just be like catered to anyone going to New York. Exactly. We'll a, we'll I mean, that's, that's the thing about New York. I mean, there's spots everywhere. Totally. Um, I would say if your if your Chinese food restaurant is not within a block, you're living in the wrong place. <laughs> <laughs> you have to be able to walk to it. Hey, more great, more great life advice on the podcast. I'd love it. You, I think there's, we've, we've ticked off a couple of really good life advice things. So, uh, this is going to make my job easier when I'm like putting all this out on Instagram. So I appreciate that. Um, but other than that, you know, I can't thank you enough for coming on. Um, you are now a, like a, a guest that we'll have on more now, once you've come on again, you have to come on multiple times to the podcast. Um, so We'll, we'll pick a topic. You're, you're locked in. Um, it's part of your sponsorship agreement with us. Um, and <laughs> we'll, uh, I'll send you my bill. Hey, <laughs> uh, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can pay the bill, but, uh, just make sure it's, you can send it for sure. Uh, just gonna have to <laughs> look at it and be like, I'll put it on a, 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 we'll do a payment plan or something. We'll make it work. Um, but I'm playing this. This has been awesome. Thank you. No, thank you. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll have you on again sometime. What's up everyone? Just want to wrap up the show real quick. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Really appreciate you guys as always um, being along on the journey with us. It's, you know, I'm incredibly grateful um, for everyone who's listening. If you have any feedback, um, feel free to, to DM me on Instagram, um, anything like that, leave something in the comments, whatever. Um, but really, like I said, grateful to have you guys um, along for the journey. Uh, you guys are the best. 
And uh, stay tuned for another episode. We're going to keep trying to bring in more awesome guests, and we'll see you guys later.